Well, hello there. It's Pastor Rick coming to you from A Voice in the Distance Ministries, joining you once again in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 8 today. And again, the pleasure is mine to be with you. The pleasure is mine, most of all, to be of service to the Lord. And I pray that uh, each chapter that we go through is a time of enjoyment, uh, a time of learning, a time of gathering together with Him. And, and I just pray that every time we open the Word of God, we see something. We see something that maybe we'll never see before. Something new every time. See, that's the richness of, of the Bible. You know, it should never come back void. You know, the, the purpose of A Voice in the Distance Ministries is to teach the Word of God for, for what it's saying. Not for what I want it to say or think it says, but for, for what it is saying, simply. And last week, or not last week, but the last chapter we were in was chapter 7, The Downfall of Disobedience. And, you know, at times I think to myself that if we ever really paid close attention to what is being said, to what is being taught, how much better would things be in our lives? How much better would things be in our society if we, if we observed and did what the Word of God said? You know, there, there's a lot of places out there that like to preach to you. There was a lot of places I've, I've been to that, um, that like to preach and, and versus teaching the Word of God for what it's saying. And so the whole purpose of a voice in the distance was simply just to do that. You know, if, if you wanted to hear a feel-good, self-help type of thing, you could go to any hotel banquet room and, and, and hear some sort of speech that you're probably going to forget about. But when you embed the Word of God into your mind and in your heart, the embedding starts to come out through your hands and through, and through your mind and your spirit and your actions. You start to glow a little differently. You start to glow in the dark, actually. And so that's why we do what we do here. That's why we together seek through the Word of God, through prayer, and more, and most importantly with the hope of, of salvation. Because without salvation, there's no ticket to heaven. And our ticket to heaven was the blood of Christ through that salvation. But we go through the Word of God, and we go through, through for what it's saying, and I hope and pray again that you are enriched by this, you know, that you, that you are enlightened by it. And so these stories from old, these, these accounts from old, stand true to this day. You know, again, Joshua was not just considered a, a read about old times, but it is considered under the historical section of the Bible. And, you know, there's some people out there that may not care for history. You know, I've, I've known a lot of people that, that like the, you know, the, the application only and how it pertains to us today and whatever have you. Well, it pertains to us today. Every single book in the Bible pertains to us today. And so that's why we do what we do here again. And I just want to make that clear that it does pertain to us today. It will pertain to us forever. And the Bible is the is the best selling book in history and still is. the The problem is is it's the least followed book, and so that that is why we're here is to, with the hopes and prayers of observing and following. That we'd observe, we'd interpret, and most of all apply when it's all said and done. So we're going to be in chapter eight, and so last last time was basically the downfall of disobedience. Uh, Joshua had led a small army into the area of Ai near Jericho. And so um, 
He came in with a small army. And now God uh, does what he does best. He's going to multiply. Our God is not a God of division. Our God is a God of multiplication. The enemy is that of division and subtraction. God adds and, and multiplies. The, the enemy deletes and divides. And so let's take a look here. In chapter 8, well, I'm going to start us off in verse uh, 1 through 8. And it says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai and see I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only the spoil and its cattle you shall take as a booty for yourself. Lay in ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua rose and all the people of uh, war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall uh, lie in ambush against the city behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all, um, all of you be ready. Then I, and then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city and will come about. When they come out against us at the first, that we shall uh, flee before them, for they will come out after us till we have drawn uh, them from the city. And for they will say they are fleeing before us at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. Then you shall rise the ambush and seize the city for the Lord, your God, will deliver it into your hand. And it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord, you shall do so. See, I have commanded you. You know, we're seeing here some uh, good military uh, tactics here. You know, Joshua was, um, Joshua became somewhat of a military expert here. So in the, the previous chapter, Achan had sinned, and that was where we came, uh, where he came up with the downfall of disobedience title. So, there was a confession, there was a repentance. And now God does what he does best, he, he dusts us off and says, okay, let's do this again. And, and so, Joshua had learned some lessons. You know, lessons that we could all follow, right? We, what do we do? We, we confess our sins that God reveals to us. And, and when you fail, what do you do? You focus back on God, you deal with the problem and move on. You know, we, we use that for other people so often, you know, and, and, but we don't take it that seriously with the Lord. And, and so God shows us here that if we repent in truth and move on with him in truth, what he does for us. So why did God allow the Israelites to keep the plunder this time and not the last? See, the previous city, you know, Jericho in general, some places geographically just seem to be worse than others. We know that when we observe the news. We know that in our travels. We know that in, in forms of culture. And Jericho, that region of Jericho, again, was, was right there on the top of the wicked list. There were some places, again, worse than others. But, you know, Jericho in this, at this time was right now the place that God said that I, I don't want to be in existence anymore. So in, in normal rules of war back in the day, that if you took over a city, that you could keep the plunders of certain things. But when you got a group of people there that's so evil, God says, I don't want you having any of their stuff. None of their stuff. And in fact, you know, back in, uh, I believe it was in the book of Numbers, 
there was a group of people that that rebelled against Moses. I, I want to say 200 to 250 of them. It was like a particular family or tribe of people. And God had told Moses and the people to stand back. And all of a sudden the earth opens up and the people fall into the earth with all of their belongings. And so even sometimes certain belongings can be can be an issue. Now, the, the first area, amazingly, that they did uh, where they first attacked was only about 11 miles away or so, 10, 11 miles, not far at all. And so there was a 10-mile difference. But this place here, God had a different plan. You know, the people here of Ai in the past, the previously, they, they know what happened. They know what happened here, and, and they knew that defeat was probably in their midst from their disobedience from before. So we try with 3,000 men, and now God says, now let's do 30,000 men. So the joke was now on them. You know, when you're, God, when you're one of God's children, he will chasten you. He doesn't let us get, he doesn't let us get away with, with things. And if we're getting away with things, then you, you almost have to question if you really belong to God, if you think about it. Because, because God, being the, the ultimate parent, will not let us get away with certain things. You know, God is holy. God is just. God is love. God is mercy. He's grace. He's everything. Why? Because God is holy. And, and, and the, see, the edge here was that the, the people of Jericho, in their wickedness, the Canaanites and all these other areas here that these wicked people inhabited, did not know God the way that, that the people did with Joshua, the Israelites. And so God gave the the orders. God gave the instructions. Are we listening to God or are we, are we relying on our own wit? Which is probably very minimal. But again, God knows what he's doing. If we look at the situation here of the past. See, if the Canaanite kings got wind of, uh, of an, Israeli, an Israeli attack at Ai, they, they could have united. Right? They, they could have coordinated an attack. They, they didn't know that God had restored his power and protection upon Joshua's people. So we, we as always depend on God with absolute obedience. Because with absolute obedience comes absolute victory. So again, God help us to remember the importance of obedience, the importance of faith. The two things that I've always said that really seem to, to, to really please God. It's kind of like the, the left and right wing of the eagle that causes them to fly. You know, the faith and obedience. And, and so God help us to be there as well. Now in verse 9, 9 to 13, it says, Joshua therefore sent them out, and they went out to, to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of, of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people and went up. He and the elders of Israel, uh, before the people of Ai, and all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near. And they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now a valley lay between them and Ai, so he took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people all, the army that was on the north in the city and its uh, rear guard on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. 
Now what he did here was he, take the, he took the 5,000 men and he, and he positions them between the two cities, which is Ai and Bethel. And this was about five miles, uh, five miles um, from the area of Ai, which would be kind of a route to escape or to cut them off. And so we're seeing again, we're seeing some good military strategy here. You know, they weren't expecting it. And so they weren't expecting the numbers. They weren't expecting them to, uh, to, to really be worth anything in this, in this battle because of their, their past situation. You know, when we get defeated, when we get defeated in something, it's hard to really kind of come back. And, and that's something that's always been well known in general. It's hard to come back from any form of defeat, whether it's in life or in war. We see Joshua portraying his godly leadership here. You know, I, I can't stress the importance of, of having good leaders and more so than anything, being good leaders. They felt confident because their leader that was with them. And when your leader is close with God, then, you're, then your leader is a good leader. And you must be a good leader because you must be close with God. You might be not, you may not be the head in your church or the head in your workplace, but you are the head in your home in some way, shape, or form. You are the, you are a head in your life in some way, shape, or form who makes decisions. Who must make decisions and God willing, godly decisions. So again, we want, we want to look at the importance of, of godliness. The importance of, of seeking God, the importance of listening to God and being close to God. If you, if you have studied any form of leadership throughout the Bible on those who were the best, it was those who were closest with God. And those who were the worst were the ones furthest from God. You know, it's a shame to see, it's a shame to see people who were godly backslide. You know, such as people like King Saul, which we'll get into one day. You know, anointed, appointed and anointed, and then, and then to fall because of, of the forms of disobedience, because of the forms of arrogance. You know, God has so much in store for those who stay close, who walk close. And there's only two types of leaders in this world. There's good ones and bad ones. And then there's people who are leaders, but it doesn't make them good. They might have put themselves in the form of leadership. Not everybody is anointed, but people will stick themselves on a mosaic seat of authority. I've seen it many times, but I've also seen the downfall. So God was with them. God was blessing them. In verse 14, now it happened when the king of Ai saw it. That the men of the city hurried and rose early and went out against Israel to battle. He and all his people at an appointed place before the plan. And but he did not know that the that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made it as they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were drawn away from the city. There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. So they left the city open and pursued Israel. So they played the part. They played the part of, of defeat, of fear, running away as if they were being you know, defeated once again. But they had a, a rude awakening ahead of them. <laughs> the plan had already been set by God. The plan had already been given to their leader by that of Joshua. And by, by following exactly what was supposed to be done, by following the orders, the game plan came into order. And it will come into order as we continue to take a look. Then the Lord said to Joshua, stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. 
And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand toward the city. So those in any... Any uh, ambush rose quickly out of their place. They ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand, and they entered the city and took it, and hurried to set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven. So they had no power to flee this way or that way, and the people who had fled into the wilderness turned back on, on the pursuers. On the pursuers. Now when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. And the others came out of the city against them, so they were caught in the midst of Israel, some on the side and some on on that side, and they struck them down so that they let none of them remain or escape. But the king of Ai, um, they took alive and brought him to Joshua. So we see the result of of true repentance. We see the result of true obedience. And what did I say earlier? It's the result of true victory. There's victory in our lives to be had. You know, we're fighting battles all the time. And and just like they were fighting battles here, we're fighting internal battles, spiritual battles. And And sometimes there's many against us. But, you know, when, when you belong to the Lord and his army, nothing defeats God. And, and so you are with an unstoppable force. I am with an unstoppable force. And I have to remind myself that sometimes because it's easy for any of us to get down. You know, when, when you are in the form of leadership, when you are in the realm of leadership, the, the attacks come just a little more fierce. You know, the closer you are to God, the more of a threat you are to the enemy. And so we need all the help we can get on, on staying close, on being close, and, and, and being obedient and faithful. We are blessed. We are blessed because we have an eternal, we have an eternal place waiting for us. But as we have an eternal place waiting for us, we have our, our, our Lord who died for us watching over us here on earth. E- equipping us for war, equipping us for life, equipping us to, to, to live accordingly. And so as I look at this again, I, I see the importance, I see the necessity of living accordingly as best as we can. Perfection only exists in him, not in us. So we rely on him. We rely on his guidance. We rely on his word to perfect us in every way, shape, or form. And as long as we're here on earth, we got work to do. But again, when you're walking with God, you are walking with perfection. You're walking with holiness. God helps us defeat those enemies of darkness because that's what AI was. That's what Jericho was. A very dark uh, and, and dangerous enemy. We have dark and dangerous enemies all around us that we are battling. So look at Joshua's, look at Joshua's actions today. Look at this story today. And, and don't necessarily picture yourself with a spear going after a group of enemies that, uh, you know, in a battle. Look at it as a spiritual battle right now that you have, you must have a spear. <laughs> you must be weaponized by God. 
We are, in a, we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a battle now in today's day and age. And, the, and as each year goes by, the, the bar is raised with, um, with insanity. With the, the bar is raised with sin. And so we need to be following these examples closer than ever. Well, let's continue to look into it. And it came to pass when Israel had made an end of the slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field in the wilderness where they pursued them. And when they all had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, all that the Israelites returned to Ai and struck with the edge of the sword. So it was that all who fell that, that day, both men and women, were 12,000. All the people of Ai, for, for Joshua did not draw back his hand, with which he stretched out the spear until he, uh, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city Israel took as booty for themselves according to the word of the Lord, which he had commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And king of Ai, he hanged on the tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that they should take his corpse down from the tree, um, cast it in the entrance of the gate at the city, and raise it over at a great heap of stones that remains to this day. You know, the Bible says that uh, anybody who's technically hung from a tree is, is accursed. And so that was the fate. That was the, the destiny of this king. To be hung from a tree is an example and is a, um, is a horrible remembrance, as a cursed remembrance. You know, when you look at some of these geographical locations that God had torn down, these, these locations never built back up to this day. And we're talking thousands, a few thousand years back here, when, when a lot of these events happened. When God says he doesn't want something there... Well, it stands. It's not, it's not going to happen. And to this day, these areas are desolate. We have little archaeological remi- remaindings there that, that we were able to find that, that, that uh, praise God, that, that proved the existence of this historical event being true. We call it external evidence. But God is, again, God is in control. And you know what? God gives us chances. Everybody had a chance. People question all the time. Well, how can I worship a God that would allow such a thing? We don't realize the evil that these places were pulling. You know, if you were a victim, if you're questioning that, if you were a victim of the hands of these people, you'd be too, you'd be changing your tune a little bit. You know, God gives chances for repentance. You know, the people of Ai, the people of Jericho, the, 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 these wicked people could have truthfully repented and God would have gladly had them. But they chose not to. They chose to continue on with the wickedness. They chose to continue on with the evil. And when we continue on with the evil and the wickedness, it just kind of avalanches. It snowballs into an avalanche that buries people, that buries innocent people. And, and so look at today. Look at today when you when you turn on your news. And if you're not bothered by it, then I, I really think that God needs to wake us up. Because, you know, in, in today's day and age, we, we become acclimated to these things. You know, people talk about the good old days when we didn't see this stuff. Well, what's sad is the people growing up today are seeing the things of what they are now and what is it going to be like in the future. 
are we going to look at today's day and age and, and as I'm recording this in 2023? Are we going to look at today's day and age and think to ourselves in, in the next 10, 15 years from now? Do you remember the good old days of 2023? God help us. How much worse will it have to get? Well, we need God more than ever. And I pray to God we pay close attention to what is going mm-hmm. on. So Joshua renews the covenant now. It says, now Joshua built an altar to the Lord, you know, the God of Israel, in Mount Ebal. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of the whole stones over which no man uh, has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the, pro- in the presence of the children of Israel... He wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all Israel, with their elders and officers and judges, stood on uh, either side of the ark before the priests, the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord. The stranger as well as he who was born among them, half of of them were in the front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them were in front of Mount Ebal. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they uh, should bless the people of Israel... And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women and little ones and the strangers who were living among them. So an altar was built. An altar was built there in the form of worship. If you followed along in the previous chapters, an altar was was built in, in the object of wood and stones, but what it was was it, it was a sign. The altar was a sign of of God was here with us. You know, maybe you might have gone um, hiking somewhere, and you'll see on a big rock or on a cave, and you'll see the name of a couple of people that were there, like uh, like a couple, a couple that was in love, and they'll they'll put their names in the middle of a heart or something. And they do that as a, as a sign of of who they were and, and their love for one another right there in that spot. Well, that's the same concept here. An altar was built and the law was was read to them again. Why? Because we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. See, they they looked at the they were able to to look back and realize that we were defeated at some point because of our sin, because of our disobedience. But we weren't dead. We weren't completely defeated because we're still here. And, and praise God for that. He allowed them to get spanked, not killed. Well, we need that sometimes. And, and, and sometimes, we, uh, sometimes we, we've learned from our lessons. And God help us to be in the form of maturity. Where we learn from our lessons versus the punishment that, that must occur. We've developed a saying over the years that, that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. But we mistake in the word good a lot of times. You know, in our modern day language in English, we say something's good, we, you know, it's okay. It's not great, it's not perfect, but you see, in the biblical language of good, good stood for perfection. Why? Because it said when, when God created the earth, and when God saw that it was complete, he said that it was good. Well, back then, it was in complete perfection. We live in a beautiful, amazing world. 
And even after the flood, you know, when God when God restored it, it, it probably wasn't quite the same. We'd have to wonder what did it look like before if God first said it was good. How much better was it then? Well, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good, we say. And it's good to remember. We're not good all the time, and all the time we're not good, but he is. All the time, God is holy. All the time, God is righteous. All the time, God is everything. Everything in perfection. And so, all I can do right now through these teachings is is the form of an introduction. You know, this goes beyond history lessons. This goes beyond life application lessons and whatever have you on how you know how do we how how do we how does this look at our lives and whatever have you well i've heard that question asked so many times how does this look in our lives well you tell me after god reveals it to you but you're not going to truly know what it looks like in your life until you walk with him you're not going to know what it looks like in your life until he's in you and reflects through you I want to give an invitation as I do at the end of every message. I call it, you know, the best for last. You get to hear the word of God. You get to take it in. You get to you got you get to fathom it a little bit. You get to maybe an understanding of some things. Well, you'll get a better understanding when you walk with him. You'll get a better understanding because now he indwells he'll indwell with you and speak to you. And by that, you will truly know things beyond. We use his word as, as a map book. We, we use his, his word as his diary, as, a, as, as basically everything in there that you, that you would need to know is compiled there. But now he could actually speak to you individually as well. But you want to make sure you utilize the word of God as, 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 the, as the blueprint. Because too often, too many people say, well, God told me this. If it contradicts his word, then he did not tell you that. That was another source you don't want, you don't want to be listening to. God will not contradict his word. And that's the importance of why I teach it for what, it, for what it's saying, verse by verse, book by book. But now, I, again, the most important thing that I can give you outside of that teaching is to introduce you into the form of a relationship. And I want to do that right now. If you feel led, if God has put in your heart to receive his son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, who died on the cross for yours and my sins, for the sins of this world. If you want to receive him as your Lord and your Savior, your Father. That is your ticket to heaven and eternity. And then walking in his statutes. Not just receiving what we like to call the, the fire insurance, but, but receiving him in truth. People, people say the prayer because they feel like, okay, well, I won't go to hell. Um, or, you know, I'll get my fire insurance, but then I'm going to carry on with what I've been doing. And that's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to walk with him. Well, when your time's up, you're going to be able to walk with him for all eternity. Because when you take your last breath, you will be there right there in his presence. Amongst him and his angels and those who love you, family members, people. You will be in eternity with our Lord and Savior. 
And I want to give you that opportunity, if you want to say a prayer with me, to receive him. All you got to do is repeat after me and repeat after me in truth to receive him in a prayer. And you can do that now by repeating now. God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you that I am a sinner, cleanse me, Lord, of all of my sins. As I receive you now as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Father. Receive me, Lord, now, as I receive you in my heart, to dwell with me forever. As we take this now, this time now, I receive you as such. I receive you as my Father. I receive you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, everybody. Always at the end of every message, always praying, always hoping that that you have said that. Because, again, that's it's the greatest decision that you could ever make in your life. And so I want to congratulate you if you did. I, I want to welcome you into the kingdom of God. I want to welcome you into a family. A family that you'll dwell with with all eternity, with no strife. No anger, no fear, no division, no failure. Because we're in the presence of God. So may God bless you, may he keep you, and may he do wonderful things as you walk closely with him. My love to you and all, and I pray for you all the time, wherever you are. God bless.